Hey, it's me, Crystal Clear, host of More Morgulons, producer of More Morgulons, musical legend of More Morgulons, and certified Morgulons guru. If the definition of guru is someone who has had black goo coming out of their skin from Morgulons disease. Y'all, I brewed that goo the day I first got it, but I'm not. I repeat, I am not a guru. I'm not a, quote, world's leading clinical expert, unquote, like Dr. Nurse Practitioner St. Ginger Savely. Let me save Lee a few grand before you go out and spend your last dime on somebody who treats you for Lyme when you got Morgulons. Is the flu sometimes COVID? No, that doesn't even make sense. Is Lyme sometimes Morgulons? No, check your good common sense and save your dollars or send them to me instead if you insist on being parted with your fortunes. Listen, I am just an N of one, but I've tried all the treatments the pro-Limies prescribe and none, not a one, put a dent in this lint or these legions, and I suspect my N of one is really an N of legions. But since I don't have that data on hand, I can't make that claim. The burden of proof is always upon those who make any claim of truth. You are the world's leading clinical expert Meaning by reason of specialized education and substantial relevant experience in Morgulon's disease, you have the most and best knowledge regarding current standards, practices, and guidelines pertaining to this disease? Okay, well, me too. Since we both have the same amount of knowledge, zip zippity do not a zilch nothing, what the world's leading clinical expert? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> your buddies and business partner in an already questionable chronic Lyme clinic business saw an opportunity to expand your potential patient market from the local to regional held national level. Fill your appointment book up and all the while charging double or more over the industry standard rates for outpatient services to consumers who you, in all cases, failed to cure, in many cases, failed to improve their symptoms or mitigate the progression of their illness. In some cases, you got lucky with a heaping, helping dose of placebo. When you have no standards, guidelines, or best practices because there is no verifiable, replicated research regarding this disease, except your research, taking credit for people who got better after your treatments is kind of like the weatherman taking credit for the sunshine. It's going to be sunshine all week long, and you are welcome for that. I did that. You didn't do that. You were just standing around talking about the weather when the sun came out. I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm not a guru, but I am a sleuth. And again, I tell you, those who claim the truth bear the burden of proof. And there hasn't been one single controlled clinical drug trial establishing the safety and efficacy of using antibiotics and ivermectin for prolonged periods of time in order to successfully treat Morgulons. That's what Ginger Savely and Raphael B. Stricker and all the other chronic Lyme slash Morgulons doctors are going to prescribe you. Go ahead, waste your money if you want. But that shit is not going to get rid of your Morgulons disease. Nothing will get rid of your Morgulons disease as far as I know. If you're looking for the panacea or the placebo, you're going to have to find another show. This is not about getting rid of Morgulons. This is about living with it. Which is something we all have to do until real standards, protocols, and best practices are established by research independent replicated research performed by individuals who do not have a financial stake in huge conflict of interest in proving that Morgulon's disease is somehow Lyme's disease. Morgulon's is Morgulon's. Let me repeat that. Morgulon's is Morgulon's. That's one thing I'm sure of. All right. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. We're going to have a great episode.
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, listeners, why don't you travel with me back through time to find out how Morgulons got associated with Lyme. In order to do this, I went to web.archive.org and looked up the Morgulons Research Foundation. The Morgulons Research Foundation was a patient advocacy and research consortium established sometime in the early 2000s, not long after 2002, when Mary Lado first named Morgulons disease and formed the Research Foundation. Um, just going back and reading this, it's so interesting um, comparing the people and the research done by the Morgulons Research Foundation compared to that done by the Charles Heath Holman Foundation, which is the current patient advocacy group for this contested illness. Here are some of the sources on the Morgulons Research Foundation page. Ron Pogue and Mark Boys, Tulsa Police Crime Lab from ABC Primetime, August 9th, 2006. Forensic scientist Ron Pogue at the Tulsa Police Crime Lab in Oklahoma checked a Morgulon sample against known fibers in the FBI's national database. Quote, nope, no match at all. So this is some strange stuff, Pogue says. He thinks the skeptics are wrong. Quote, this isn't lint. This is not commercial fiber. It's not. The lab's director, Mark Bowe, says the fibers are, quote, consistent with something that the body may be producing. He adds, quote, these fibers cannot be man-made and do not come from a plant. This could be a byproduct of a biological organism. All right, how reliable is this evidence? Well, it's basically just citing an oral interview. I've seen this research before cited as phone call from Randy Wymore as the source. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to take that one with a grain of salt, maybe two grains of salt. Um, what else? There is the Jenny Haverty report. That is a clinical microbiologist scientist, Jenny Haverty, Monday, December 13th, 2004. Following our microscopic observations of specimens of unknown fibers taken from four individuals suffering from a condition known as Morgulon's disease, the participants are, full names indicate participate, full names indicate participants who have granted full permission to publish. Julie Carnes, who lives in San Francisco, California. Cindy Casey, RN, an intensive care nurse living in Sausalito, California. Murphy, an artist and musician living in Oakland, California. And Wendy E. Tripp, a veterinary technician living in San Jose, California. All of these cities are in the San Francisco Bay Area in Northern California. The descriptions are using a light microscope, Nikon Labo Fought 2 400 times lens, and a lights fluorescent microscope, Labor LUXD, using an ultraviolet light source with a 330 to 380 UM excitation filter and a 420 UM barrier filter. The fibers were not observed to contain septa. Julie collected fibers from her calves in March 2004. I teased the fibers and mounted them on a glass slide in sterile saline PSS using the 400 times light microscope the following were observed red fibers 48.64 microns wide 
clear fibers 23.04 microns wide black fibers 28.16 microns wide clear slender fibers with prong-like structures 7.6 microns wide red to red and black fibers with an internal structure that resembled ladder like rungs 17.92 microns wide her sample also included hair which measured from 51 to 72 microns wide which is normal at her sample of collected fibers before teasing them apart some appeared to have thick black speck in the center of the long strands of fibers i mounted the speck directly on a glass slide i had to cut the long fibers to separate the speck from the mass of fibers added saline and a cover slip and under 400 times magnification it was comprised only of extremely tangled black fibers i then examined the sample described above using the fluorescent microscope unstained and saline the majority of the fibers were extremely bright aqua autofluorescent the red and black fibers did not autofluorescence I then made a preparation of fibers in 20% KOH and calca flower stain, a stain used to observe fungi, yeast, and hyphal elements of fungal organisms, fluorescent bright apple green using a fluorescent microscope in the ultraviolet range. All right, well, we've all seen that under our microscopes, those of us who have them. I can uh, say that that's probably pretty reliable there. Now let's look at the SUNY report. That would be the um, State University of New York, Stony Brook, New York. Um, this research was done by, this is when we start seeing our appearance of Raphael B. Strickler, Virginia R. Savely, A. Zaltzman, and V. Sitovsky. Background, Morgulon says he's characterized by dysthesias. That just means like, um, creepy, crawl, bad feelings in your body. And dermatologic lesions that range from minor to disfiguring. And then there's a citation of research done by... Mary Lado, Raphael Stricker, Virginia Safely in 2006. The disease has been reported primarily in Florida, Texas, and California. Although an infectious etiology of Morgulon's disease has been postulated, treatment of the disease remains problematic with many patients having inadequate responses to antimicrobial therapy. Okay, let's stop right there. Here we are in, what year was this? This was posted in April 2014, but I'm pretty sure that this was actually published in 2007. So, um, in 2007, uh, Jesus Christ, almost 20 years ago, 15 years ago, they were telling you antimicrobials, inadequate response, doesn't really do that much. <laughs> Yet they're still prescribing it 15 years later. For 500 bucks a pop, possibly more. Skin biopsies of Morgulon's patients reveal nonspecific pathology or an inflammatory process with no observable pathogens. No observable pathogens, often with fibrous materials projecting from inflamed epidermal tissue. Morgulon skin fibers appear to contain cellulose. They just said that they didn't contain plants in an earlier citation. This cellulose finding would be backed up by the CDC's finding of cellulose. Who knows? This observation indicates possible involvement of pathogenic agrobacterium, which is known to produce cellulose fibers at infection sites within host tissues. Methods, skin biopsy samples from two patients were subjected to high stringency PCR testing for genes encoded by the agrobacterium chromosome. Screening of the same samples for agrobacterium virulence genes and tDNA sequences in patients' genome was also performed. Results, PCR screening indicated the presence of agrobacterium genes derived both from the chromosome and from the TI plasmid, including the lab, lab, lab. Our, conclu our conclusion preliminarily results indicate that agrobacteria may be involved in the etiology of progression of Morgulon's disease. If these results are confirmed, 
Hay would be the first example of a plant infecting bacterium playing a role in human disease. Hey, guess what? They weren't confirmed. Um, so you can pretty much trash that one, but no pathogens were found. I don't understand that. How can no pathogens be found, but also agrobacterium be found? Agrobacterium is a pathogen. Okay. Um, here's another 2007 research report from Oklahoma State University, June 19th, 2007. A position statement from Randy S. Wymore on the topic of Morgulon's disease and other Morgulon's related issues. So this is just an email that Randy Wymore wrote. It's not research. Um, here's another short write-up, and it says, uh, The complexity of the symptoms and the lack of a consistent clinical profile among patients makes it very difficult to identify the causative agent or agents, especially that no one up to date was able to isolate, culture, or identify the origin of the fibers that may that many have photographed. A sizable library of images collected over the years showing autofluorescence under different wavelengths, electron microscopy images, and other high-resolution images of the fibers and skin lesions is posted on the web in different websites. We've collected our in our laboratory a number of images of unstained fibers showing autofluorescences with both the blue and red filters of an epifluorescent microscope. It is clear that a thorough investigation is in order to first identify the causative agent of this disease and second to possibly study this organism in vitro if it can be cultured in a laboratory environment in order to determine drug effectiveness and a possible treatment strategy. Yes. Has that been done yet? Has that been done yet? These things that they just looked at and looked at and looked at over and over again, all these different people and were like, hmm, I don't fucking know. All of a sudden, yeah, we figured it out. It's keratin collagen. It was skin the whole time. Really? And you missed that? Every time? Okay. Sure. Um, phase one, microbiology report. Uh, this says it was posted in 2007. Background, the descriptive information below is a phase one summary report presenting the findings of an investigative research study. This work is supported through a grant from the Morgulons Research Foundation. Phase one is the first of three phases proposed in this research project. Phase one is a look-see initial study to determine what, if any, organisms, pathogens, and or materials in household water samples may be associated with Morgulons disease. Phase one is only a findings presentation and no conclusions as to the association or cause of Morgulons disease are drawn. This initial phase lays the groundwork for phase two and three as well as future research projects. Well, we know how that all went down. Stopped at phase one. It is hoped that this information will encourage other researchers. Blah, blah, blah. Brief summary. There are six particle types that are consistently recovered from the skin surface of those suffering from Morgulon's disease. One, ribbon-like fibers. Two, rounded fibers. Three, capsule-like particles. Four, black flakes, grains. Five, worm-like particles. Six, stellate-shaped particles. Stellate means star. The fibers are often pigmented and many luminesce under ultraviolet light. Current Morgulon's research at a laboratory in Massachusetts shows that individuals affected by Morgulon's disease have been in contact with soil and or water containing cyanobacteria, blue-green algae, algae, aquatic fungi, water molds, and lichen. This assemblage of organisms and associated bacterial populations is common in soil and aquatic environments where cryptobiotic soils are present and or environments where nutrient-rich conditions promote the development of algal blooms. Dermal contact with a water source and or inhalation of aerial dust containing cyanobacteria and algae may lead to the progressive colonization of organisms that are capable of feeding or consuming these photosynthetic producers, thus contributing to the wide range of symptoms reported by Morgulon suckers. Incidental growth of these opportunistic pathogens, such as actinomyces, aquatic fungi and true fungi are known to promote disease in humans and they consist of species capable of degrading either cellulose or keratin skin hair 
evidence for the presence of opportunistic microorganisms in samples is indicated by the occurrence of capsulate morulans particles that have been identified as parasitized pine pollen grains. Chytrid populations are obligate parasites of frogs, nematodes, algal, cyanobacteria, plants, and pine pollen. See photo below. These findings serve as a focus for further understanding the ecological significance of the organisms identified in this study and the role they may play as a cause of Asian amorgulans disease. Y'all, we're going to have to read this whole article on the next episode. I am running out of time right now, but be back soon to continue discussing today's topic which is of course that the people claiming to know what the fuck they're doing and talking about don't know have been changing their story not their treatment protocol for 15 years nothing they have lit upon has actually turned out to be effective in curing or significantly improving mortal lung disease at least not for me and not for a lot of other people out there for those who have been helped hallelujah thanks for listening and stay tuned